Road Trippin' fans, Amish t-shirts are as ferocious as the dunks or bangouts Richard and Channing throw down from time to time, and their softness can't even be matched. Amish has been turning back the clock with throwback tees for years. From the NBA to the ultimate warrior, you know, the tee that LeBron wore on the plane after leading the Cavs to its first title the city had seen in over 50 years. Well, Amage tells the stories of triumph, individualism, and hustle, preserving the old school and creating new legacies. Go to homage.com, that's H-O-M-A-G-E, and pay homage with your favorite tee. Be sure to check out the NBA GM tees and one exclusively made for me and you. Better yet, three other tees designed specific to the road tripping fam you'll want to check out. We're road tripping at homage.com. Welcome into another edition of Road Trippin', Richard versus Channing. I'm your host, Allie Clifton. A little flashback Friday edition. Why? Well, for starters, Devin Harris is now a part of Denver Nation, but when in town as a Dallas Maverick, he sat down with hashtag Team Richard. And things per usual with Richard were loose and fun, but for Devin, it was also a moment of truth and reality. Episode 70, Richard, Katie, Devin, it's all yours. Thank you, Allie. Uh, yes, Team Richard here. Richard Jefferson, what's going on? Uh, we're joined by uh, Katie Wingy. How are what's you doing, up? Katie? I'm so, so great. Are you? <laughs> we, know, we know where you're great, Katie. Back on the pod, back baby. On the back pod. on. We're back. We're back. And my teammate, twice over, the one and only, Devin Harris. What's going on, Devin? What's going on, guys? How we doing? Uh, we're chilling. We're, um, we're here, and you know, most people might not you know, fully understand, you know, what's going on in the past few days. But I don't know when you guys are going to air this, but no, we're going to timestamp this. The Vikings just had... School? Uh, <laughs> the Vikings just had a hell of a win. And our one and only Katie is from... Minnesota. 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 And Devin is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And you are a fan of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> so, What's so up? When, when we walk in here, the first thing Kate says is like, "So I've been doing my homework. I really hope that he's a Packers fan." It's like more than anything. Like that's like, do you hate to see their success as much as they hate to see your success? Because yes. you guys have had ton more. We've, yes, and the only there was there was a little bit of. When Brett Favre went to play for them, that hurt. It hurt, but also kind of cheered for them a little bit too, because I, I I love Brett Favre so much. But ever since then, I hate them with a passion. Everybody in Wisconsin hates them with a passion. Um, the fact that my teammate Wesley Matthews, who's from Madison, is a is a Viking fan, just makes me hate him even more. Um, but yeah, just in that game, it hurt me more than it hurt the Saints. I feel like I can't stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but okay, so I don't even know the guy's name, but when you're in the middle of one of those moments where you have just one of those moments, like Stefan Diggs. Yeah. No, no, no. Not, I'm not talking about the positive side. Everybody's been on the positive <laughs> side. I'm Getting diggy with I, it. I'm talking about the person on the negative side. Oh. Like the missed tackle, the, he was supposed to be the back safety. I, like, I, again, we, by the time this airs, I know, you know, there might be a Super Bowl champion at that point in time, but. Not get carried away. No, I'm, no, I'm not saying they. I said yeah. there might be a Super sure. Bowl champion. We don't. We don't know. It, it, could, nah, it won't be that long. But that's got like people don't understand. 
how hard it is for us when we make those mistakes, <laughs> right? That like people are like living their lives for. People are so focused. Like, it doesn't matter what situation you're in, but your hopes and dreams of your family <laughs> all all rely on that person making that tackle, and he doesn't. And so everywhere he goes, he has to deal with it. He has to listen to it. He has it, to explain himself what uh, he's thinking. You know, he's got to look at his teammates. He's got to say, I'm sorry Man, so just, many well, times. Now in social media, too. Oh, they got uh, memes already all over. Out. It's oh. a, the Prince one. Of the <laughs> Prince is blocking him, blocking him from getting dicks. I died. I have, I have not I have not seen the memes because I haven't been on social media that much. But, gosh, that's got to suck. That's got to suck. I Yeah, I can't put it into words. I mean, but the, the thing is, like, everybody wants to know what he's thinking. I mean, I, I, he dies, but like he, he dies in a way where he's not even close to him. Like, well, it looked like he was trying to avoid. Has he done an interview? Yeah, I think he explained what, himself after the game. I think he, he he was trying to avoid the penalty. He felt like he would have got there early, so he wasn't trying to. If he would have came, if he was coming full speed, he would have hit him before early before the ball got there, and so that would he put was him in by the way. And he thought that somebody, somebody else, else or he would go out of bounds or right, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Well. Someone told me that he was supposed to be the back free safety anyway. So his only job is not to make the tackle, but to let him catch the ball, then tackle him. Or, you know, like the, uh, somebody, uh, Travis, uh, our video guy, he said the same thing happened uh, the Broncos a couple years back, Broncos Ravens, uh, where a guy goes up, he's supposed to be the back. Instead of just making the tackle, he goes for the interception, misses the ball, they run in and get a touchdown. See that there's no point in trying to be the hero. It, Just do your job. It reminds me of um, Packers Seahawks. Okay, the well, onside kick. Yeah, the guy was supposed to block the guy, so the guy behind he, him could, could get catch the ball. The ball. And he tried, tried to catch, catch the ball it. and oh. didn't, and we ended up losing that game and oh. losing the chance to go to the Super Bowl. Was it, was he the same person? Like he made two mistakes. I feel like that guy made two mistakes that he day. Did. I, I don't want to relive it. I mean, he I, did make two mistakes, he, right? I do. Yeah. Let's relive it. No, 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 no. no, no. Tell me because I, I remember I don't, I don't that remember he that. had a really bad day. I don't remember what the first oh, mistake so was. I remember the first mistake. So um, we had threw the ball in the middle of the field, and he caught it. And instead of running Wait, to get I, field goal range, he just like went down. Yeah. And like the fifty, and yeah. we end up like turned, we end up like having to punt and get yeah. the ball back. Well, no, he had another no, 10 yards. yards to go, yeah. He, he could have ran, and we would have been full game, and, and would have been, been over. And, and let me tell you, and we were, I could, and I'll tell you exactly where I was in this game. We were in Memphis. We were at the uh, at the museum, the I can't, the Civil Rights Museum. That's funny because today is Martin, Martin Luther, Luther King, King Day. Day. And wow. I remember my, I was sitting there with my, my teammate, J.J. Barrer. Um, the Patriot had already got to the Super Bowl. We were making plans <laughs> going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> As we're going through the museum, and I'm like, we're looking at flights and like. Wait, I was, I was, was I there? I don't know if you were there. I think I yeah. was. I think I. I think I was there because that was the. I was only in Dallas one year, but uh, that's when the whole team, Carlisle, yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah, I was there. And then I just remember like walking, and then they're like, "Oh, we got the ball back in the outside kick." I'm like, no. no and, and and just so everyone knows, before you go to um, the MLK Museum is awesome, like how it has everything in his room, but there are no TVs there. So we were getting our updates on our phones, <laughs> right? We were getting our updates yes, on our phones. And it just and uh, we have a, another big Seahawks fan, Al Al Whitley, and he was just smiling his face, and and the fact that we lost that game, it was just yeah, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, those those are days. But isn't it funny? As much as okay, we're gonna be honest here. As much as fans annoy you, now all of a sudden, like you're like, I don't want to relive that. Like, isn't it weird to go from like fan to professional? Where now all of a sudden, if you miss a free throw tomorrow in a crucial time, people will be cussing you out, and you're like, people chill out. It's just a game. Yeah, but- <laughs> I mean, you see both sides of it. You know, as a professional, you know, 
we we are harped on when we you know we don't come through in the clutch and you know fans get upset with us. But you know when it's a different sport, something that we love. I mean, we harp on the guys just as much. But you know, I think that's what makes it you know great about professional sports. Well, and the other part about it is like for us, and I think basketball players in general, we can't cheer for basketball. No. Like you, we grew up loving basketball, having a favorite team. The only basketball that we can really kind of talk shit about is college. college. Is college. Yeah. That's it. And you know Arizona being so much better than Wisconsin, that makes right it now. really tough. Right now, that makes it really here tough. we go. No, 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 I, I, the way you started the year off, and the way you <laughs> now you almost yeah, fired but, your coach. Yeah, that's no. Sean Miller's not going anywhere. <laughs> he has the Richard Jefferson stamp of approval, right? Like and that the, means so much. That means so much when you donate half of your life to a gym, <laughs> you know. So uh, no, I think Sean is doing a great job. But there, it, it, that's part of it. Like his down year. Like if this is a down year where he has a possible number one pick bunch of young guys they just they played well they had a small a, a, a bad stretch then they won like eight in a row including beating arizona state uh which was amazing they had they were undefeated and number two in the country and they take them down so like if that's your down year it's, what are you gonna do the year, the year is still early RJ. it's not early we're, we're, we're in, in we're january, january. Yeah. like they're done in Couple march months. That's a lot of games. There's still time for the wheels to come off. Yeah, but that's like that's like saying it's still early for the, for for you guys in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> he went there. Hey, we, we are playing better basketball right now. Uh, are you? You guys are. No, you. But you guys whipped our tail. So yeah. I'm I'm not I'm but not I mean, here to. For us, it's just you know every game we have is close. Yeah. It's just we have a bunch of young guys that we're trying to teach how to close games. Uh, don't know that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the last, I want to say 15 to 18 games we've had have been five or six points, yeah. you know, and it's just. you And you feel it too when a team walks in the building and they kind of like, oh, they've lost four in a row. And it's like, no, we're better than that. Right. And then all of a sudden you smack somebody, you guys feel good about yourself, and then, and then you have like a five-point <laughs> loss, and you're like, damn Can you it. Relate? Yeah, you're like, damn it. Oh, yeah, well, I definitely yeah. relate. Definitely coming in, coaching. you know, we won like, you know, let's say we have a little three-game winning streak, and then we have a team coming in we're technically supposed to beat, you know, have lost four in a row, and you know, have the feeling like, oh, you know, we're playing good right now, we're scoring the ball well. And then it comes down to that last five minutes, and then we can't finish it. And then, you know, we got to listen to Coach the next day and his his great film sessions and his quirky, you know, sayings. And it's just – it's it's tough. But our young guys, I feel like, are, are gaining experience with this. I feel uh, like I'm, like, looking at him, but I'm hearing yeah, your yeah, words. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing because we're both now in that position. And Devin, like myself, like – you go from having a ton of success, improving yourself as a young player, then in the middle of your career being a go-to guy, then you know towards the end of your career kind of being a backup mentor. So our roles are very, very similar. Uh, and you know, he has been very, very fortunate also like myself where he's gone, had a bunch of guys where he can kind of watch. Like, okay, this is what Finley did. This is what you know X, Y, and Z vet did for me. Like, I just need to reciprocate that. Uh, but it still doesn't make it any easier. Like, I'm in that role now. Do you find yourself kind of just like you feel like you're a dad slash coach slash player? <laughs> so we, we have two young point guards on our team, um, Dennis Smith Jr. and, and Yogi Farrell, And uh, both are, are very talented, um, but both are very young in this age. We got Yogi last year uh, on a 10-day contract. Who's cooking? Cooking. You know, Yogi Mania yeah. you know, had a ton yeah. of success. But then towards the later part of the season, you know, started to learn the hardship that we had. You know, all the Yogi Mania then, you know, lost his starting spot, had to come to the bench, you know, and, and lost some of his playing time and come in trying to prove himself all over again. And then we had this highly touted 
uh, draft pick, you know, where we're coming in saying he's going to be, you know, the rookie of the year. You know, he's got a 45-inch vertical. Um, but teaching these guys how to play the right way and how to play the point guard position, it's not always fun. I mean, they're young guys that make a lot of mistakes, but what makes it, you know, special for me is that they're, they're willing to learn. Yeah. You know, they're willing to take the steps to, to become better and, and hear what I have to say and take to heart. So some days, yeah, it's tough because, you know, you, you're telling them the same things over and over <laughs> and over again. But they're also you also see, like, improvement. Um, sometimes it's drastic, sometimes it's small, but, you know, you do see improvement. It, but it, that is the best part. That is the best part to me is when you have good young guys. Like Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, uh, Trey Lyles, um, you know, Wancho, Herman Gomez, uh, Malik, Jokic. all of uh, Jokic. Like, all of these guys are such good kids, right? Like, these are guys that I would want on my team. There's not one in the bunch that can kind of steer the other two sideways. There's not, like, this asshole, but he's good. No, they're all legitimately good kids. And that's, I want to say, in my career, I've probably experienced that, like, two or three times where you have multiple players that are under 24, 25, but they're all good kids just wanting to win and play the right way. Um, You know, one thing that I I talked uh, a little bit about uh, with the media today was they asked like what's the generation gap like and this and that and i was like well, they You're all grew- old. i was like they all grew up watching me play but the one thing that i've noticed is that when you have a bunch of young guys they don't fully understand what it means to compete against each other like we're boys and we all hang out and we go do this and well coach is playing you coach is not playing me but it's like no you have to understand like if it's you versus him and the only way that it's you versus him to get on that court, every day I'm looking at you like trying to murder you. Right. And I don't understand that. Like for me in my, like in college, right? So Jason Terry, who was at Arizona, I know I'm really dating myself how old everybody is, <laughs> but Jason Terry was at Arizona and he had to compete against Mike Bibby, right? Mike Bibby was a better point guard, but JT came off the bench. My year, we had Luke Walton. And so me and him, we were roommates. We came in together. I was a starter. He was, you know, he was the sixth man, but he was a 10 year pro. So that means that some days I would go to practice and he would light me up, post me up, do all this stuff, drop these dimes. Coach would be on me. And then I would have to go home with this guy. We'd have to eat our meals with a guy. And then the next day I would go do the same thing to him because I was pissed off. But it taught me at 17, 18 years old that you can be my best friend. But the minute we get between those lines, if it's between me and it's you, it's definitely going to be me, right? right? And so I just don't, I don't necessarily see that consistently with the young guys. Like, do Dennis and Yogi have that type of competitiveness? Um, they did early on because, you know, in, in the preseason or summertime workouts, you know, we didn't know who our starting point guard was going to be. Yeah. So we saw a lot of that, a lot of that yeah, fight. You know what I mean? And awesome. it, it was good to see it pick up. Like, they would go at it. Yeah. Um, now, as the season goes on, you know, we, we named Dennis you know, point guard, and actually we started them together. You really didn't see it as much. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, we kind of they kind of play different. But no, I, I agree with you. Like, you don't see that same competitive fire. Like, I think now, like the way the NBA is going, you're more like you're more likely to see younger guys getting those minutes and the older guys like not. And it's not like they don't have to earn it as much. Yes. And, and I feel like, you know, just because we're trying to, you know, develop you, we're just going to give you those minutes to see how you go instead of actually making go out and earn those minutes against guys every day. And I feel like that's what it, what the gap is. Yeah. And it, I'm glad you, it's the exact same thing that I said to a point. And it's like they don't understand, like, you can be in your second and third year and those minutes are just gifted to you because they want you to develop, but you get a sense of entitlement, mm-hmm. right? So the minute those minutes go away, all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, coach ain't playing. It's like, well, dude, you really didn't do anything to earn those minutes. 
right? And, and that's not, and it's like you're trying to mentor these guys at the same point in time, making them understand that, like, yo, you have to go out there and compete. Right, I remember, so we had one of our young players, like, and we were playing one-on-one. And he didn't want to play one-on-one, right? He wanted to go and play, like, three-on-three full court. And he was like, wow, I just don't wait. He's like, no, nah, y'all, it just, it just it becomes a post-up game and did this. And it's like, yeah. But 90% of the teams in the NBA switch one through four. Yes. And literally that night, I saw Gary Harris, who, you know, has been an amazing player this year. Probably our best, most consistent player. I saw him having to guard four men on the block. And so I looked at the young guy on my left, and I'm like, this is why we play one-on-one. Who was and the young guy? I don't, I don't like to call out names, Malik Beasley. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, this is why we play one-on-one. So you get used to guarding bigger players in the post. So when you get into the game and coach says we're switching one through four, you're not out there blind, right? And it's just understanding. It's like, yes, you're going to get your lumps. You're going to get your head beat in. Mm-hmm. But within getting your head beat in, if you have good coaching and good vets, it puts you in a position to learn something so that when you get into the game, you can be successful. No, I, I couldn't agree more because I'm the guy that has to guard one through five. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and I'm trying to teach the young guys post-defense, you know, when you get in a certain position, like, don't just let the guy walk you down. Like, oh, fight yeah. him early. Like, yeah. all these things in the game. So when you get in the game, you, you can be successful. And we're not giving up these buckets late game because, obviously, I'm not in late game. Yeah. You're in the late game. So we don't, we don't give up these buckets. And, we you know, we can come out with some of these wins. But, you know, it's something, like, I have to teach – while trying to do it myself and, and get like learn from what I'm doing and understand how I'm doing it, so you can be successful at it too. But you know, it's it's like I said, it's and, like and a, they're so lucky they're good kids, right? Because <laughs> because that's the no, that's the funniest thing is that like some of the times like you get these vets, they're not all vets aren't nice guys, no, right? Because it's like if it's between me and a young kid, just some vets, not myself. If it's between me and some young kid for 15 minutes, I've seen players take guys out and get them drunk. I've seen guys take them out and like party with them. I've seen guys like, yeah, man, that's messed up. Coach ain't playing you. Just, <laughs> just, just full on messing with their heads because like you have to understand what is on the line. Like people try and make it seem like this. There's some like unwritten code. There are millions of dollars at stake. If I don't get a job next year, or if I do get a job next year, that's two and a half million more dollars that I get to help feed my family over the course of the rest of my life. Right. So if I teach this guy too much and I'm too chummy with him. Right. And all of a sudden he gets the job and I don't. Or if I'm a dick and I can kind of steer him the wrong way and be like, coach, man, I, I you know, man, I can't believe this guy is, you know, this guy keeps doing this type of stuff. Right. Like that's the stuff that goes <laughs> so on. Messed up. Yeah. But but it's just you're talking about millions yeah. of dollars at stake and it's not something that people fully understand. So it's that fine line of like it's that business line of making a business decision. Yeah. Um, like you said, vets aren't always, you know, vets good are not vets. always nice. They're not always good. Well, vets. Think about it in a, just a business perspective too, like not a basketball job and like a real world job. Yeah. I'm sure that it's very similar when you put that kind of hat on it. It's yeah. like, okay, I kind of get where that is coming from yeah. then trying you, to move up the corporate ladder Yeah. in a way. Yeah, and that's what one thing that people see is that you got to have vets on the team because you need guys to understand what it is to compete every day, to go hard every day. But, you know, but, go ahead. I'm curious because both of you now have mentioned that there's not a lack of competitiveness, but this younger generation does not have that same competitive fire. Like, why do you think that is? What's changed? What's shifted in the NBA? You are. I got lots of opinions. That's why I got, got podcasts. So you go ahead. Uh, I just, um, 
I don't know if it starts early on. I know we, we talk about the AU circuit a lot um, and, and the brand of basketball that's coming up. Um, and like I said, I think you know the NBA just value more more draft picks now. I mean, you see a lot of the the, the 14, 15 spots are more like two way players now, yeah. as opposed to like you know 14, 15 year vets. And it's it's less vets on the team, and like you said, they're, they're more care, they care more about developing young players. And you know, a lot of these teams aren't really competitive, so they're they're all in, I'm gonna say a lot of teams are in our rebuilding phases, mm-hmm. and you know they're building for the future. And I feel like when they build for the future, obviously winning is not as high up on the list as it should be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think a lot of it started when, when we were still in college. I think it might have changed right around your year. There wasn't this one, the one and done thing, right? You had, if you went to college, you went to college because you wanted to go. Like, I played in college three years and have played 17 years in the NBA. Don't tell me that you don't want to go to college for more than one year because it'll devalue you and your class. No, you go to college because it lear- you learn how to play. You go to college because you know how to play in a big game. You know to tell, when you're a junior, you can tell a freshman like, yo, when we go to Oregon, it's gonna be tough. Make sure you get your rest, make sure you're locked in. So you have these experiences. You get these kids now that go to school for one year, they go to halfway decent schools, they average 25, they show up on a place, they're the fifth pick, and they and they hadn't done shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I. I Part of the reason why I was so blessed and so fortunate, even my first two years with the Nets and we went to the finals, but I had just come off of three years in college. I Jason Collins, um, who also, uh, Jason Collins had also been in four years of college. We had both been number one seeds. We had both gone to the final four. We were experienced guys. So when we get to the Nets, Yes, they have two rookies playing in the NBA Finals, but we were 21 years old. We were 22 years old. We had played in big games, conference championships, you know, NCAA Finals. So we were able to contribute to good teams, right? And I was the 13th pick. He was like the 20, 22nd pick, I think. But now it's just not the same. People want to go to college. You go to college for one year. You don't even have to win. You don't have to go to the NCAA tournament. If you average 22 points as a freshman, you are a top 15 pick. And if you're a top 20 pick and you no one expected you, you better go, right? Because they think every year you stay in college, now you're going to devalue yourself. So you just look at it from a competitive standpoint there. Like it's just not nearly as competitive. Okay, so we'll recycle then. Like what happens when these younger players become vets oh god help us <laughs> god help us that, that you're gonna see a change you, like the, i mean you can't rebuild forever you know no, what i mean like i mean you, you look at philly's situation i mean they have draft pick after draft pick after draft pick after draft pick and you know series of losing seasons and just now they're starting to get some some vets in so you're starting to see a little bit of change and winning some games now but like you go there as a, as a young player you don't know what who's teaching yeah. you who's yeah, teaching you exactly and, you know we, we got Nerlens um last year in, in a trade and just the habits that he had coming over like he didn't know you know the proper things to do so we're trying to you know teach this guy as a three-year vet a three-year you know player who's supposed to have some 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 kind of knowledge of, of what what to do you know how to work and you know it was tough because he had nobody to teach him you know the right way to do things yeah it, it, it's so it's so funny and that that's not to knock young players it's not it's not no, their no, fault no. in in but it's just I am not, I believe that kids should be able to come out of high school or go straight to the pros, whatever you want, right? Or come out of high school or go to college. Because if you go to college, it's because you want to be there. You're enjoying, you're enjoying your time and it's fine. You were in school, what, two years? 
three. 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 That's what I'm saying. Like it, 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 it almost three. it almost stayed four. That, like no, I really really wanted to stay for my my, no, my senior year. I have one of my guys, and you're like this. I have one of my boys right who could have left. He could have left after his after his junior year, and he was a redshirt. So he goes. I was like, dude, what are you doing? They got you projected like top 25. Dude, this was your fourth year. Like, just leave. He was like, Richard, do you know what I have going on down here? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know what? You're right. You enjoy that. But that... That's the thing. It's like you don't have to be in school one year. Here, what year is this for you? Uh, fourteen. You have fourteen. You have seventeen. We both were in school three years. Like, don't tell me that you have to go to school for one year and then you have to get out to do. You're not. You're physically not ready. Mentally not ready. And that's different with a high school kid because a high school kid, you are committing three to four years to just mentally and and physically develop him. But a one year guy in school is the exact same shit. It's that they're not. They were like, well, you went to college, so we expect you to learn something but they really didn't go to college I they mean did. they only one had to go half, one semester and then they stopped going the second semester um, and let's be honest it, they're, they're after March I mean they're, they're doing NBA workouts in, in April you know what I mean they're not in school anymore so oh my god did you want to stay because of Madtown was it because of the what made you want to stay uh, at, at Madtown uh, for another year or for, for all three years really well three years uh, I mean I just it, it just got better for me each year um, you know, I came in kind of as a shy kid, um, not really knowing what to expect. You? Oh yeah, I was coming. I mean, new new, new environment. You know, you got fifty five thousand. You know, students. you know, I could tell. I could tell this because the way that your face lit up when I started taking you around New York. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And it's just like every year I, I got a little bit more acclimated. You know, making more friends. And then after my junior year, like, you know, I got I, I was like the the man on on campus. You know, coming back to a, a team that we were going to be a really really good team. I think they didn't make an elite eight without me. Um, I believe it. Hey, we, we would have went to five four. <laughs> I was still there. And just you know, I, I I had some roommates that were great, and it was just it was, I was really looking forward to, to my senior year. But you know, my mom looked at me. She's like, you gonna be the fifth pick? You know, top five pick? You're going. You go, yeah. Whether, 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 whether you want to or not, yeah. you're going. A top five pick is a tough one to pass yeah. up. A top five, and, and but the good thing about it, and uh, you know, I used to tell. Um, like our, our former GMs, like Ed Stefanski, Rod Thorne, because we were, you know, with the Nets, we were always like my six years there. We never had, well, maybe one year we had a high, like a pick in the in the lottery. Marcus, yeah, Marcus right? Yeah, something, something like that. But most of the time we had picks that were 23 and above. And I'd be like, why don't you guys go and get a junior or a senior? Go get a guy that's really, really good that is going to get passed up on because people think he's too old because he's going to show up here and know how to play. He's going to show up here and been through some of the fights. But you're going to bring in a freshman point guard and have to develop this guy. And Jay Kidd and myself are both pushing 30. And you're going to bring in a guy that you're going to develop for three years. Bring in a guy that knows how to play, even if he can just contribute a little bit. Right. And, you know, that shows you shows you how much that worked out. Richard, have you been to UW Madison before? I have not been to Madison. I would like maybe call it like, the Arizona State of the Midwest. See, everyone says Wisconsin's one of the big one of the big party schools. Um, it's a fun place to be. What are you? What? Are, why? Tell me more. Tell I me just, more about I wanted to go there. I wanted to play there so bad. That was my number one choice. Uh-huh. And I had my own my tore my ACL my junior year of high school, so my college plans changed a lot. But Which that campus, where is it going? Illinois State, okay. Missouri Valley. Okay. So you're all just Midwest people. Yeah. We are. And you know, we have values, Richard. You, you, should, you can learn from us. <laughs> we have good Midwestern values. Yes, you do. And, and being a father of, of how many girls? <sighs> Three. Three? 
Why it's do not you such a bad thing. No, uh, is it? But he's he's he's, he's, he's he he's, knows what I'm doing. He's, he knows what he's doing. So he's doing it. On so purpose. me, why on um, on purpose? So me and Devin, uh, people, you know, we've been friends for years. We were friends before you even came to the Nets. Um, and being a father myself, right? We've always, you know, just joked about having boys and blah blah blah. And I've been so so fortunate. I have two beautiful, healthy boys, uh, Phoenix and Little Rich. Uh, and why you make, you, it, you make it seem like he's less fortunate because he has three little girls. No, because I, I know I know my guy. I know my guy, and I know how much he wanted a little boy, right? I did. I did. But I love my girls, though. I will say that. I mean, I'm not. This I, is not I to knock my, little girls out there. But I think not, every every father wants a son. I mean, I, I, and every mother wants a daughter. Yeah, and you know, after one, after two, you know, you, you know, keep trying, and you know, we got our third, and after that, I was like, you know, three is enough for me, so. So it's Jason Terry, how many girls did oh, he have? He has five or Jason, six. Jason Terry was the same way where yeah. he he went and did he went and did like the procedure. Yeah, we, we did went, a vitro to try to control the sex. Um, wow, but it's commitment right there. Yeah, it was. They just could you only really make girls, Dad. Dad, it's, it's that's a, on you too. It's on me. It's a hundred. <laughs> it's, like, it's not about what you want. No, it's all it's on you. It's all on me. And so you guys did you you guys did in vitro. So we on went, the third yeah. on the third one. Mm-hmm. So we went when we went to dinner in Dallas, and and your wife was like. You don't understand how hard this shit is, right? It, I, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know, because I have two boys now, and so she wants a girl, and I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to be done with kids. Nah, I'm, I, every time I say this publicly, she gets mad at me, right? I, it, I mean, two, two, from two to three is, is a big jump. Yeah, I mean, one to two, one, two is, no one to two is like man. a big jump, but like two to three is yeah, like yeah, you go from man to man to zone, yeah. exactly. Right, you gotta go zone defense. Yes. On Right? You got to guard an area, exactly. not guarding one on one. Is it so? Is it a really, really tough process? In vitro? Yeah, it's tough on her. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right. it's definitely tough on her. I mean, it's it's more hormones within the body, not not natural. Yeah, and then um, there's a little bit of weight gain that they do because of the medicine that they're taking. Shots, they get I mean, it's multiple shots on a daily basis. She must love you. Um, or she just really wanted there. <laughs> she really wanted she just really wanted there. But it, it's it, it was a hard process, and we we did two cycles. Yeah, um, and it was just and every time it spun, it was a it was a boy. A so girl. we had we had I think the first she had limited eggs too, which we found out. Uh-huh. Um, so I think the first the first batch, I think it was nine nine healthy girls and like one boy. Oh, and then the second batch was like I think it was eight healthy, eight healthy girls and then one boy. But none of the boys were healthy. God, what is going on with your sack, man? Do you need to switch it up or something? I'm just being punished for, <laughs> in, you know, earlier, you know, earlier, earlier transgressions. Yes, I'm just being punished. Wow, you had eight healthy girls. And, one, and, one and, and you're looking at these numbers like this is not even fucking 50. No, 50. it's not. This is. Yeah. And then you get, Kings have murdered their wives. And I'm thinking in history, I'm, I'm asking a doctor. Right? Like, am, we're going to go there. Yeah. Am I capable of It was like, well, yeah, like you wouldn't be able to have kids at all. If you weren't able to make both, yeah, it's just the fact that you are predominantly girls. I mean, and it's like a you know coin flip. You know, you know sometimes you get tails ten times before you get a heads, and this is so. It's really not a 50-50 chair. It's not, but they make it seem that way. So, I I tell my wife all the time. She she goes, "Well, I just really want a girl, right?" And I was like, "Look, we took what God gave us." <laughs> Sounds so much like you. I can't. No, it's true. Cause like, so she wants a girl, right? And she, um, 
you know, her relationship with her mother wasn't great. So, like, she really wants to, to have, like, that relationship. My relationship with my father, I, I had an amazing stepdad, John, shout out. We actually named my uh, my second son, like, has his first name. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's my guy. You know, raised me since I was, like, seven years old. Like, that's my dad. And, and so, you know, you know, I didn't have a great relationship until later in life with Big Richard. And so, You're you junior? Know, yeah. And there's yeah. a junior, junior now. There's, yeah, junior, oh, junior. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Vic Damone, junior, junior. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, no, so I, you know, didn't have, so, you know, you want a boy and blah, 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 you want that relationship. But, you know, so she's like, well, we can do like testing. I'm like, well, babe, testing doesn't guarantee. Because you know what it'd be like if all of a sudden I got eight healthy boys <laughs> one, I can't wait to use your, your, your numbers in my favor. Yeah. But then, you know, at the end of the day, so we're looking at it. You know, and she's like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, obviously, I'm just good with the two. She's like, no, I'm in pregnancy mode. Like, we're going to do this one way or the other. So I was like, okay, well, we're going to just leave these eggs to, 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 you know, to freeze. And then we're going to do it the natural way. Just have a way. Is that what you did? Yeah. And you knew what that was going to be, the natural way. But you had one healthy boy. No, no, it was no health. Like, the the embryos weren't healthy. The boys weren't healthy. Okay. Um, Because we actually tried to input those and they didn't take. And then, you know, another thing, too, about the, the, the shot, they make it really emotional. Oh, so emotional right. level was I like, was going to ask about yeah, that with the extra hormones. That was, yeah, that's got it. So, and the fact that I was like, okay, babe, well, we tried, you know, we, we got the two. I'm good oh. with that. No. Bless no. her heart. Oh, you, like, I, I bless her heart. Like, you know, I'm like, I, yeah, she's this. like, I've been through yeah, all this, all and this. Like, I need a baby. Right, I'm like, you put a baby in me now. <laughs> I'm like, who am I? I can't. You know, I'm like, all right, she's crying. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, <laughs> That's how they always get you. Yeah. They start crying. All right, here, all have right, this baby. Here we go. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it the natural way. Uh, no, no, that that's. Uh, Let me just say though, too, there are very few things more sacred and special than like a good daddy daughter oh, relationship. And he's experienced that three times over. But there's. <laughs> It really is. Like, I'm so close with my dad. Like, he's my person. And I wouldn't give that up for anything. And I don't feel like very many people have my, that. My so. person is a is a Milwaukee state. Not Milwaukee. Is a Minnesota, Minnesota statement. Is it? Yes. I know. Uh, it, is a, it is a Minnesota statement. Like, I, I've heard other people from Minnesota. I've like, heard that a lot. You know, yeah. Like, no, that's my person. Right? It's not like, it, it's just, it, it's a term of endearment. Right? Yeah. I, I'm just recognizing that. I'm sorry. I'm not trying okay. to interrupt you. I'm just trying you. to take away from my sentimental moment <laughs> yeah. talking about daddy-daughter relationships. No, Thank but you. I, you wouldn't understand I, that, I, would you? I don't. I don't understand No, I, that. I agree. I, I have a special relationship with all my kids, and we do different stuff, and we relate different ways. But when I, when I look at, like, how well my girls behave in public, and then I see these boys terrorizing their, their moms <laughs> in the mall, it makes me love them just a little bit more. So. No, look, no, look I, forward to that. No, I look forward to that. Like, I, like, I, I, took, I took little Richard to his first hockey game. And he went to the Avs game, and he was he was having a good time. But he just, you know, boys just see things from a different perspective. You constantly have to tell him to be nice to his little <laughs> brother. Like, and I was the youngest. Uh, I was the youngest of two older brothers. I had two older brothers, so I was the youngest of three. And it's just like I, I grew bigger than you know both of my brothers very quickly. So we like when we, I was like my oldest brother is like seventeen. Then I have another one that was you know I'm talking when we were like the same height. And so I was like probably like 11, then I had another one that was 13, and we were all the same height. And then it just kind of started tilted on them. But yeah, no, no, no. From, from that standpoint, dude, like 
boys and the way we play and see the world is so very destructive. So very rough. And wow. I contribute to that fully. <laughs> I contribute to that with my little guys. Like I pick them up and throw them on the couch. And they're like, do me again, do me again. Pick them up, throw them on the couch, like just wherever the pillows are. Because that, that's, as a dad, that's the only way to make them tough. So I'm like punching him one time and he goes, no, 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 daddy, don't do that. And I was like, what? He's like, we don't hit daddy. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> I want to argue with you right now because I thought I was playing with you, but you can't play like that with your brothers. You know? See, I'm teaching my girls to hit. Well, but that, I was going to ask if they play sports. Yeah. My oldest plays uh, plays basketball. My, my middle one, she takes boxing. And she's really like, Dad, is this how you punch? I'm like, no, like, lock the wrist up. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, that, and we yeah. don't condone yeah. that. One of the most underreported uh, domestic uh, violence issues is women on men. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. So um, as, I, as I'm teaching her, you know, how to punch the correct way, uh, she got pushed down on the playground. And she came home and said, Daddy, you know, this boy, he pushed me down. He punched me in the stomach. I said, what'd you do? She said, I got up and I decked him. Oh. That a girl. Yeah, yeah. You're like, that a girl. But, and, but we, don't, we don't hit, but, and, and, but, and you, but that a girl. And you told him your last name was Smith as you were walking away, right? <laughs> right? You told him your last name was yeah, Smith. So I got a phone call from, you know, from the teacher. You know, Scarlett had a little bit of a, a, a scruffle on the playground today. I'm like, oh, what happened? Like, oh, well, this boy he kind of pushed her down. I'm like, what'd she do? It's like, yeah, she kind of hit him in the face. I'm like, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't that one of, like, so, you know, uh, and I and I want to talk about you know your brother who you know I knew very very well for just from all those years and you know you can you know tell us you know as much or as little as you want uh, but you know he was at every game he was you know everywhere and you know I'm not yeah I asked you before if we could talk about it and you know I found out from Marcy mm -hmm. right who had sent me that she sent me this text like first thing in the morning and Marcy. Uh, one of our really, really good friends that uh, she was at Arizona uh, right before me. She moved to New York, so she became like my, my den mother. She became my mom when I first got to New York. And then I introduced her to you on my way out of New York, and she just <laughs> took care of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, so she sent me that text and, and was just like, yo, well, you know what happened like because i don't know because again you read an espn article or yeah. you hear something and people don't really fully understand about you know what happened with your brother uh so you know obviously like you say he came to every game uh, i believe it was the second home game of the season it might have been the first it was the first home game of the season you know he's there of course and it was a wednesday night so obviously yeah. you know that means going to candle candle room <laughs> after the game uh. um and you know he had this love for these old school cars um as, as much as i i told him you know no airbags. Yeah, nothing. nothing yeah. Stuff. You know, he's like, these cars are made of steel. You know, I'm like, yeah, but not when the car's going, you know, 60. But anyway, uh, you know, he comes to the game, goes to Candle after the game, and he's driving home, and apparently they were having some car trouble with this car before. He's been to the shop a couple of times, ended up dying on the highway. Um, an electrical error or something in the engine, completely died. And from what I know, and I, and I still am collecting facts, um, so they're just kind of in the car on the highway. How many people were? Just two, him and him and his friend uh, in the front seat. And apparently on 75, there's kind of a hill where you're kind of coming up and then, you know, kind of coming down. And it was a car, it was like 3.30 in the morning, didn't really see them there, ended up rear-ending rear, rear them going about 75. Um, I don't believe he was wearing a seatbelt um, and ended up just, you know, smushing them against the, uh, the windshield and you know did you know. um so were they off to the side or they were still no the they were in like the third lane so oh, they, were in the, they were on the third yeah, lane on the far uh, left yeah they were on the okay. far left um not quite off 
off the, you know, the, I don't know what you call the safety lane yeah, or whatever, yeah. but just kind of just waiting for uh, assistance. assistance. Yeah. And ended up uh, getting rear-ended and he ended up um, dying from, from the injuries. So they were, and, and he probably might have been, he might have been like no seatbelt because he gets out of the car or, or I, you know, that, that part, you, you, no you'll never know. Yeah. Um, and I, believe it or not, I got the, the actual, there were two cops that drove by the car and they were actually on their way coming back, back around to, to help them out when, when the accident happened. Um, and it was just, you know, a little, a little too late. Did they know? Well, so it wasn't just a bad. Yeah, it, it, um, I was the guy that they hit him, you know, was completely sober. So it wasn't yeah. like, you know, he was taxing, but it was, it's the way the hill comes up. You just weren't able to see. When you come see. down, yeah, all you, of a sudden. Yeah, and you, you can't see them. And I don't, you know, no lights yeah. at that point and end up just, you know, running right into the car. Man, you know, that, that, you know, I, I've been through, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, with teammates, right? And just, you know, understanding, you know, Again, there's just it's just basketball what we do. Yeah. But it's just like knowing your brother and seeing and being, you know, he had been in every game all the time in Dallas. You know, what he, I'm saying? he was a guy like everybody knew. You know, yeah. he he went out a lot. He enjoyed life. You know, he would just pop up to random places. You know, he'd <laughs> pop up to Denver. He'd be like, hey, well, I need two tickets tonight. How did you even get here? Yeah. He's like, well, you know, I had some extra miles. You know. Uh, San Francisco was another city he used to pop up in. Uh, he enjoyed Toronto. And, and, like, and another thing is that he, like you say, he would pop up, but he would just say hello and then keep it moving. Yeah, he would like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't weird. like, you know, he'd want to hang around. Yeah, he'd like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, if you want to sit at the table, what no, are you doing? No, I'm, no, I'm going to go by the bar. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go by he the bar. He did his own thing. You yeah. know, he, he was he was great that way. You know, he supported me, but he also gave me space, too. And, uh, yeah, I miss him. It, it was, you know, a tough little stretch to go through. Um you know, he had a, a nine-year-old son and a, and a six-month-year-old son that, you know, just came into the world and um, oh, wow. seeing those guys. Well, those are your two little boys now. They are my boys. Yeah, those um, are your boys now. And just, it's, it's been tough. But, um, I just it, gave you the chills. Yeah. It's, it's the toughest because the only time I saw him really was at the gym. So every game that I see, you know, walking by the Jack Daniels bar, that was, that was where, yeah. you know, that's where he was. Yeah. And just not seeing him, it's just, you know, it's, it's been tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you talk about, or you have talked about, just when it becomes bigger than basketball, how great this league is and it's coming together and this band of brothers. How much has that helped you? I can't imagine how many people reach out to yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll first say, you know, my owner, you know, coming to the hospital, Mark, um, sitting with me when we got the news from the doctor saying that, you know, he, he there was no coming back for him and, and him being there with me. Through, through that time was, was, you know, he didn't have to do that. And then teammates showing up at the hospital, showing their support, you know, coaches. And then the text that I got from, you know, everybody, you know, guys that I played with, guys that I haven't played with. Um, and it's, it's all that, that fraternity of everybody kind of, you don't know everybody, but you know everybody. And, you know, in that situation, that, that helps you get over a lot of things that you're dealing with, knowing that you have that kind of support. Yeah. It's even just being on the road and seeing the support from teams that you're about to go to battle with on the floor and seeing those guys come together. Yeah. I know the moment that stands out to me is, you know, Steph Curry, and that was a very talked about moment, but. Yeah, that was, um, so um, I've been really good friends with, with Sean Livingston. We came through the draft together. We've been, you know, really close. Um, I spent some time with him with his injuries, and, and, you know, so that kind of made us closer, and we kind of just talked about, um, you know, he's like, what can I do for you? And uh, at that moment, I was thinking about, you know, my, my nine-year-old nephew. Love Steph Curry. Love Steph Curry. They were coming to town soon, so I'm like, if you could, you know, set this up, um, and just for him to just spend a little time with them, that would be great. It's done. And I was, I wasn't expecting, you know, 
what happened to have happened, but you know, Steph was great. He took him off to the side, took him in the locker room, and I, I didn't see him for like 30 minutes, but he came back like almost like a different person. Like he kind of got him out of his, his rut a little bit, and he you know forgot about the situation that he was in, losing his dad. And I think it's it's helped him bounce back a lot quicker than he would have. Um, and I can you know I'm ever I can never thank Steph for that. And, that and that awesome. and that's literally in those situations because we all know how fortunate we are. You know. We know how fortunate we are to have brothers. We know how fortunate we are to be in this league. And so if you can have an opportunity to, you know, again, everyone, he might not have known your brother, but he's known another 100 brothers like yours. Right. Right. And obviously his relationship with, with Sean and then, you know, just, just knowing you in this league, you know, for Steph to, you know, take a nine-year-old boy, uh, you know, whose uncle was in the NBA and take him in the locker room and spend some time with him. Like, those are the things that... Like for for me, like those are the things that give me chills, right? Because I know how good of a guy Steph is. Like Steph's all time, right? He he's funny, he's chill, nicest guy in the world. Like I I hated playing against him when we were in Cleveland, right? But I loved playing he, as a teammate. He was great. But like those are the things that within the fraternity that you don't see very very often um, of a of a guy that you know. And again, any player would have done that. Braun would have done that. Absolutely. You know, and, and the fact that he was the person. That was the the chance for you know to connect and obviously your relationship with Livingston helped mm-hmm. set that up, right? Because if you don't know if you don't know Chris Paul, if you don't know one of these guys, and it's like you're kind of searching, you're like I want to do this, but you know I was compete against the guy, you know, but you're my little guy. Anything I can do to help you, right. you know. And you know, it takes you a little bit off your comfort zone, but like I said, it, it was more about him at that point. Yeah. And, you know, I was gonna do whatever it took to kind of you know to see that smile that that yeah. you that. Yeah, that's awesome. So shout out to Steph, you know, for doing that. And I know everybody does does some things over the course of you know their career for charities and stuff. But when you can kind of help a kid that is in your in your fraternity, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's something that's special, man. And, and you know, I you know I, I can't believe we're giving compliments to Steph Curry on this thing. Jeez, well, like he needs more. Yeah, what is what is this podcast coming to? <laughs> but uh, Devin, too, your strength is very admirable. Yeah. Especially being able to step back on the floor and knowing how much is associated with your brother. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, but you know, at that point, it, it you know, you know, this like, it's, our, funny. Yeah, yeah, it's right. funny, but it's, uh, yeah. it's our safe haven though. Too, yeah. though. You know, to be able to take my mind off of it for that two hours, and, and my coach has been great because he can see me kind of drifting off. Like when I'm in the game, like I'm in the game. When I'm out of the game, what? you know, I'm in the stands. <laughs> You know, Speaking I'm, of I'm, that, he is the king. Richard you know is the mean? king of that. Well, no, and he told me I, had, well, I hadn't played for months, right? I hadn't played for <laughs> months. So I was, I was, I was throwing tic tacs to fans, <laughs> right? We had this bin right next to our. We had this bin full of like candy right next to like the scores table, and so our trainer Dan Dan puts that up, stuff up there. But it's like tic tacs, mints, gum, like candy. Jolly Ranchers. So like every time, like my New Year's resolution was to not eat any more of that candy, right? Every time I like go up and grab candy and I would just toss it to fans. I'm like throwing it at people's heads, like hitting Jolly Ranchers to people third, fourth row. Because I was on another planet, right? I'm thankful for that resolution. Yeah. I get your candy yeah he, but he could, he could see, you know, when I was just off into the thing, he was like, hey, all that, when you're here, I need you to be here. When you're not, you can be wherever you want to be. But just when you're on the court, I need you here. I gotta give a shout out to, to to Rick too, like the support that he gave to Luke, you know, uh, during that situation that he was going through because it was so. We again, a part of this fraternity, we know how childish and how many distractions there are, and and I think Rick did a really good job, and and, and we we talked a little bit about it. I love Rick. Rick, Rick takes Rick is an acquired taste. <laughs> 
He's an acquired he taste. He is. He is. Uh, and for me, he, he actually it gets better with age. It does. You understand him a little bit better because you know he, he frustrates you sometimes, but like you know he. He's a smart guy. He's a quirky guy, but you know he, he has your to back. To say the least. To say the least. To but, say you know, the he's, least. He's great, but no, his support. I mean, and he takes his coaching brotherhood very, very seriously. seriously. And yeah. His support for for Luke and those that those moments. Those yeah. moments we, are, yeah. are tough. Well, and it was like you know Popovich came out. A lot of guys came out. Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. All these guys, and that's what you have to do. It doesn't matter. Luke is a former player, but all of a sudden, when the coaches felt you know some one of theirs. You know, being unjustly criticized because they're as players, as coaches, we're all going to face a ton of criticism. But when there's criticism that's unjustified and unwarranted and opinion based, and then carries weight because of you know um, the media attention that comes with it, now all of a sudden, you know, that's the time for people to step in. You know, I agree. I agree, and I think you know, like I said, being in LA doesn't doesn't help. Does not help. Does but, not help um, being in LA. Not ha- you know ha- not have not and they it happens right after Big Bogue leaves. <laughs> what what if Big Bogue uh, Andrew Bogut, who is one of the more more outspoken guys, a, a great NBA guy too. He's one of those vets that you need in your locker room. Absolutely, I think everybody needs an Andrew Bogut. Everybody needs an Andrew Bogut because you know he is one of those guys that you know it doesn't matter who it is, media, training staff, coaches. He'll say what is on his mind. So for that to kind of coincide with him having to with him being released, you know that 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 was a tough one. Yeah, I think they dodged a bullet with that one. They definitely dodged a bullet <laughs> because there would have been some, there would have been as much as there were quotes, uh, you know, on one end, there would have definitely been quotes in that locker room just from a, and I say this in a very respectful way because uh, he 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 is definitely a seven foot alpha, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely mentally he is a seven foot alpha. Like he will will tell you what's on his mind and, and a very opinionated. And, as yeah, well. very opinionated and in, in, in the right way. But how do you guys think that Kobe would be handling the whole LA situation? Uh, what do you mean, like, as a coach in this situation? As a, no, as a, player. as a player. He was still playing with the Lakers. Right now? Oh. No, I, I think I, I think things I think things would have been a lot different. A lot different. Yeah. A lot different. A lot different. I, I don't think this, uh, the, the, the media and, and, the, and the circus around it would it would happen a different way. Yeah. You don't think Kobe, to his credit, Good and bad. Mm-hmm. When Kobe was in that franchise, it was about Kobe. Yeah. Right. Anything that was anything that was sideways or that it was about Kobe. You know, Paul Pierce <coughs> talked about how he doesn't want anybody else at his auto at, at his you know uh, he doesn't jersey want retirement. jersey retirement. He doesn't want you know a tribute video to Isaiah Thomas because that's about him. Where that was kind of like the whole season for the Lakers when when it was Kobe or just oh, yeah. in general. Like when it was there, it was Kobe. I heard a, I heard a story, and I don't know if it was true. I'm gonna say it's true, right? That after Shaq got traded, right, they were playing. I think Miami might have been playing the Clippers, uh, like the next night. So Shaq comes to the Laker game, right? Sits courtside, and all of a sudden they show him on the big screen. They do the Superman. They play the Superman song, <laughs> and the crowd gives Shaq a standing ovation, and then Shaq like waves and leaves. <laughs> They said Kobe was so hot. <laughs> he was so hot in that moment, right? Because it was just like, look, he was no longer there. He didn't want to be Shaq's sidekick. He got tired of being a Robin. And all of a sudden, and Shaq knew what he was doing. Oh, he knew. He knew. He absolutely. knew. I, he knew that if he came and sat courtside for two minutes, they were gonna put him on the camera, and he was gonna get a standing O. And they played the Superman song too, which is, <laughs> hey. 
So I just, you know, one of my boys was like, yo, sh-, like Kobe was so hot. He's like, we all, the first thing we did was look over at Kobe to see how he's going to react. <laughs> and he was fuming, right? Oh, no, that, that, it was just, it's a different monster when you're in LA and you, you have to accept that and you understand that. Um, you know, for Luke, who played there nine years, won two championships, played in, I think, three or four NBA finals. Like, he knows the circus. Like, he, you know, you have to have a special person to understand it. Um, and, and I think he's in a good spot for that. And, you know, to go back to Kobe, you know, when he says all about Kobe, I think a tribute to him, he made it that way because he knew he could handle it. 100%. You know what I mean? Whether it was good, bad, or ugly, you know, when they were winning 19 games or when they were winning championships. He could handle it either way with the media, with the fans, and I think that's what made him, you know, part of great. That, that's what made him great. Yeah, that's absolutely. what made him great, and that's what I'm saying. It's like it would have been handled differently because it's like, no, Kobe. This is about him, right? This is about his journey and where he's going to take the franchise. So he might be banged up. He might be 40. This might be his 20th year, but we are going to ride this guy out till he's ready to say goodbye. Right. And so, you know, from the Paul Pierce standpoint, I kind of understand it a little bit at the same point in time. You know, I, I think it's it's a little different. Right. When you see, you know, hey, I, what to me, I would evaluate what Isaiah did for the franchise before I talk about it. Playing with the hip sister passing away, mm-hmm. as you can relate to. Absolutely. So you do this and you still go out there and play and you do all this other stuff. And now all of a sudden, like, I can't go and get a hand wave for 10 seconds because it's your jersey retirement. Like, after all that, like, you can you can relate yeah. more than probably anybody mm-hmm. in the NBA. If Dallas were to trade you and it were to come back and be Dirk's retirement jersey night and you're showing up, I'm asking. <laughs> this face. is a question. The this face. is a question. This is a legitimate. No, like, no, I get it. Um, and I'm saying during a timeout, right. during a timeout in the first quarter, they just want to give a 10 second, 30, 20 second video to like thank Devin Harris for how many years have you been with Dallas? Nine. Nine years of service. Thank you, Devin yeah. Harris. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see that. I mean, because you know, you give a lot to a franchise, and you know, it's their way of, of showing you know their support, whether it's a you know 20 second video, and it just happens to be on a night where you know some other things that are going on, and you know. With with Kobe, you know he's he spent twenty years in one in one yeah. you know one team. You know Paul Pierce, you know he got traded, played for two you know two three other teams. But you know when you think of Boston, you think of Paul Pierce. And I mean I can understand both now. sides of it now. Yes, this, now this generation. Um, well, it's, not, it's not disrespect the the <laughs> legacy. Well, no, I'm saying but when you think of Paul Pierce, like you think about his time with, with the Celtics. You oh know, no, yeah. you think no, but you said when you think about Paul, right? When you think about, about the Celtics, well, you think about Paul Pierce. Yeah, you think about, yeah, you think about the Celtics. Celtics. Yes. Yeah, yes. Let, let's I said not. It backwards. Yes. Yeah, let's not go back that way. Undefeated versus him in the playoffs. So I can understand you know. One year, one year time, um, but also you know Isaiah did you know bring them kind of back to their their glory days as well. So yeah, he um, helped establish what is now trending there. Absolutely, you know, with with people wanting to play there, um, understand that Gordon Haywood signed there to play with Isaiah Thomas, right? And Brad Stevenson. No, and Brad Stevenson. But but I'm saying like when you're looking at the coach, you're also looking at the situation of players yeah, that are there. So he's there, and it's like look. I'm playing with one of the best guards in the league. You know, you have all these guys and, and what's going on. Yes. And now something something happens and Kyrie goes there uh, and they're playing great. Obviously, Gordon gets injured or whatever. But at the end of the day, July 1st, the team that he was looking at had IT, had, had, had IT as their best player. Right. And he was coming to be a part of that. And truth be told, I, I, I am a big fan of Gordon. I know you are too. Absolutely. He, Gordon is all time. I, I get on him all the time about how good he can be. But IT was going to be the best player on that team. 
right? I like it was going it was going to be the leading scorer on that. The team. leading scorer on that. Okay, maybe let me phrase that. because Gordon does so much. Yeah, he does he, defense. You know, defense. And just just you know, does all so around much. player. Yes. All around player. Mm-hmm. So that's not a disrespect, but it's like in that fourth quarter, that ball was going to be in it's hand, without a doubt, and they were going to go how it went. Yes. Right. So that's not a, not not a disrespect to to G because he knows how much I you know I respect his game. But that's what I'm saying. He helped bring that franchise to where they were. He helped carry them to the spot of we are a great team with a ton of uh, picks because of Danny Ainge. Mm-hmm. So what Danny Ainge did. So it was like, I, you know, again, I don't ever speak for anybody, but that beef between him and Danny and, you know, it's just there there was an emotional aspect that Absolutely. Isaiah brought to the Absolutely. game. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I felt a little bit. You know, when the first time I got traded, I mean, I think it's, you know, when you're in a spot where you want to be and, and you're looking at the success that you're having and then, you know, you get sent somewhere else, it's tough. I mean, I can understand that. Oh, yeah. We both did that. <laughs> but, but but you going from you going from Dallas to New Jersey. But it, the writing was on the wall because Jay Kidd basically forced I know. us. But like to go through that media circus for, for three months. Yeah. But I agree. But it, well, for me, I went from fucking Jersey to Milwaukee. Shoot me. <laughs> He's from Milwaukee. How are you gonna? And he knows. That's why I was like, "Shoot me!" Like he said, I think he sent me. He see, he sent me a text because we were playing on this. We were both on the Nets, and he sent me a text, and and he was like, "It's gonna be okay, man." (laughs) (laughs) And and the truth be told, and and this is how much of a dick he is, right? So he's an all star the next year, right? Him and Vince are all star. They were balling, right? Played twenty, averaged like twenty seven games. They were they played really great. They had a great start, whatever. And so he's an all-star. And I was like, man, that's such bullshit. He's like, yeah, but if you still be here, I probably wouldn't be an all-star. I'm like, thanks, dickhead. Thanks. You demanded me. You you demanded assists from me, not scoring. I told you that the second all-time leading assist guy in the NBA was Jay Kidd. And he had more assists to me than anybody else. Yes. So if you wanted assist, I'm your guy. And I think I came with the next game and had like 19 assists. I'm trying... Who's your like? I'm telling you, because I don't dribble. If you throw me the ball, it's going up or to the hoop. No, but that's not going to get me to the All Star game. You Richard. got to the All Star game by scoring. The, you did. You got to the All Star game. You and Vince, and then the next year, oof. Yeah, yeah. I still tell Rothorn that. So Rothorn text like after you know again we're taking NBA fans back, but Rothorn texts me after he trades me. So I get traded for Bobby Simmons and Yi Zhaoyin, right? Yeah. Guys that I, I've played more in since then than, than both of them. And he's like, man, Rich, if we because you had Brooke, you mm-hmm. had Brooke as a rookie. He's like, man, Rich, if we would have kept you, we probably would have made the playoffs. And it's, it's like, thanks, dickhead. <laughs> yeah, hindsight's real 2020 when I'm sitting here freezing my butt off in this nor'easter in Milwaukee. Hey, Milwaukee is great in the summertime. I, I so is Minnesota. Minnesota. No, Minnesota. Minnesota is not great during in the summertime. The, in the every summertime. place is great during the summertime except no, but it's really great. I mean, we have the lakes. We yeah. have a lot of good stuff in the summertime. Good Bridge. things happen. Yeah. Upper Midwest. If you were to step around, you know. No, I, and I agree. And I agree. It's just weird that your summertime lasts six weeks. That's we, the weird we can't part. Help that. We can't you can't help that. that. We can't oh, okay. Help that. It lasts when at it's least snowing, three when it's snowing in April. No, it's what? Three months. June, July, August. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Who's got worse weather, Milwaukee or Minnesota? Minnesota, for sure. Well, it's you can't say this one city in Wisconsin and then say the entire state of Minnesota. No, I don't. I don't. Milwaukee is on the lake, like on the very a great lake. Very large. I'm familiar. So the wind off the lake, very cold. It's like Chicago. Milwaukee's colder than Cleveland. Milwaukee's colder than Cleveland. Mm. Yes, it is. I've been there two years. But the fact that Minnesota has underground tunnels. 
They're that above you, ground, the Skyway. Okay. Yes. That, that's I agree. That's I know, but I think that Minneapolis can be better than Milwaukee at times. No, Minneapolis got more stuff going on. Oh yeah. Milwaukee, weather-wise. Milwaukee from the, Milwaukee from no 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 weather-wise. <laughs> weather-wise. Milwaukee wins. Milwaukee wins. Okay, I try. Stuff to do. Oh, Minneapolis wins a thousand. Milwaukee has grown a lot, though. I will say. We're building up, bro. Oh, don't build up me. We're don't. Building Cleveland's up. building up. That that place. Well, that thank place. you, LeBron. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Because when LeBron wasn't there, that place was a ghost town. No, I, I I don't disagree. With so you, thank Eddie. you, LeBron, for that. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, thank the Cavs <laughs> and the Indians. Thank the Cavs and the Indians. No, no, no. I'm saying when he first came back, like yeah. yeah. But I'm saying the Indians go to the World Series. They win 22 yeah, yeah, in a row. But after LeBron came back. That had nothing to do with the Indians. It, it, it all came. It all comes together. <laughs> it all comes full circle. All right. All right. Well, speaking of full circle, man, I, I appreciate you, man, coming on and, and, and telling your story about your brother and, and, and your journey to try and get boys. Um, you know, but as much as I as much as I joke with you, right? Like life is so weird. Life is so strange. And your 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 brother had just had a boy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He had you know a nine a nine year old son. So like you have two boys now. That is your responsibility to help raise. That I do. You know, and and that's you know there there's always you know you, you got to try and find things that can give you that kind of focus and and i don't, I don't want to say it perfect because you have three beautiful girls uh but you know you you do have two boys now i do you know I do. um and you know i i don't you know i don't know of a better person you know to to give you a compliment you know because i know how much you wanted to go to some 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 boy baseball <laughs> games i know how much you wanted to go I to still go i just take my girls you know what i mean like look I, I'm they're not, not the, watching the game they're, they're not watching the game, game. But, but but that's the thing and so you know um you know, I, I I know that that that's that's a special thing for you. So you know, I, I applaud you again for the way you handle things because you were Absolutely. truly a professional uh, when it came to you know just you know trying to get back to the core and trying to do that again. I saw the Channing Fry losing both of his parents in like a six week span, mm-hmm. right? Just like, hey, I just need to get back to basketball. Let me play this basketball. Don't check on me every fifteen <laughs> minutes. There's gonna be some days I'm grumpy and exactly. I just don't want to fuck with anybody. Yeah. But uh, mo- more times than not, this is my this is my sanctuary. So thank you for coming on and telling your story. I have one more question. You tell him, Katie. I have to ask this because <laughs> you played for Bo Ryan. Do you or do you not think he looks like the Grinch? Be honest now. Bo has some similarities <laughs> to the Grinch, yes. Especially when he gets angry and, and the wrinkles come in his forehead, for sure. Was this known to you when you were in school, or was this something that is No, mean? I think when you, you don't see it as much when you know he's in your face every day, but when you... But that's when the wrinkles some, are in full yeah, force when he's in your face. I know, but like you're not really looking at him when he's yelling at you. You know, he's kind of like, yeah, coach, I got it. <laughs> but as you, as you remove it and you see him on TV, you're like, oh, that's what they're talking about. Especially around the holiday season. <laughs> And then when he, he turns really red when he, when he yells, absolutely, yeah. Sorry, coach, still love you. You're a mean one, <laughs> Mr. Wrench. <laughs> All right, well, uh, for Richard Jefferson, Katie Wingy, and our guest, Devin Harris, say goodbye, Devin. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you guys later.